I've got to tell you, I'm, I'm really pumped. I'm excited about what we're going to be looking at today. We're, we're going to Mark chapter 10 is the, the kind of the, the, the place in God's word, uh, this eyewitness account of the ministry of Christ. And some people have said, I mean, why does, why does Johnny keep saying goat? Why does he keep saying goat? If you don't know, uh, goat in the Urban Dictionary, goat it means it's, it's an acronym. It stands for greatest of all time greatest of all time go and we're looking at uh, just some of the the things that happen in the history of Jesus's ministry that point to like who truly is the greatest of all time now you can't walk into this series especially with football coming back without the the aged old kind of controversy who is the greatest quarterback of all time? I remember growing up, every time John Elway would play Marino, there would be this playback. Or when uh, when Montana went to play with the Chiefs there for a little bit, you know, and, and it'd be John Elway and Montana, they'd be saying, who's the greatest of all time? One of the greatest quarterback controversies of all time is like truly who is the greatest. And a lot of times, uh, Peyton Manning, when he played for the Colts or the Broncos, was put up against... I've, I've got to say, uh, who probably is the greatest of all time, although it pains me to say it so deeply, uh, this guy named Tom Brady, who's just now happened to be playing for uh, our town here in Tampa. Excited to see how that plays out. But, you know, as Manning and Brady go head to heaven, or head to he- head, to head uh, they played each other 17 times. Head to head, 17 times. Brady... Uh, he had a record nine Super Bowls, and he won six. He went to nine Super Bowls and won six. Manning, uh, he led his team to four Super Bowls and won two. In that series, 17 times, head-to-head playing each other with their teams, Brady leads 11-6. to six. The only thing I could find where, Pey- where Peyton Manning uh, tops Brady, the only stat that I can find that I personally know of is uh, Manning has been called MVP five times, Brady, NFL MVP. Brady only three times. That's the only stat I can find where my favorite quarterback, uh, Peyton Manning, beats Brady. Well, Tom, we want to say welcome to town. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, We hope we get a really great season uh, and we get to actually see some games. But we're going to look at something today uh, around the same kind of idea, the greatest of all time. And this is one of those crazy, crazy moments. God's got something for you. If you are at home, you can grab your Bible. You're not forgetting, maybe pull out your phone, pull up Mark chapter 10. I mean, this is one of those times where someone looks at Jesus and says, uh, you know, hey, Jesus, greatest of all time, how about you hook us up with some seats? Hook us up with some seats. It's one of the first times that this was ever asked by the goat, uh, to someone asking the goat. Here, it starts in verse 35 where these two guys say, Jesus, would you hook us up with some seats? Here's how it happens. It says, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do? Jesus asked. They replied, let us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in glory. Like at the end of all time, uh, when we get to heaven, when the good times are there, here's what we want. We want you to hook us up with some seats. We want like the perfect seats. One of us on one side, the other on the other side. We want to be right there. I got to tell you, this is really awkward timing. 
I mean, there's times when you can ask for some stuff and you got to know how to like play this situation. This is a super, super awkward timing. If you don't know about the, the, the idea of come on, man, come on, man is a little spoof that they do in the NFL when someone does something that's just like a bonehead move. Matter of fact, I looked up the actual uh, Urban Dictionary says, come on, man is slang for when someone does or says something that is just ridiculous. Okay, bad timing, wrong timing. Uh, perfect example. One of my per- one of my favorite all. There's a segment called "Come On, Man," where they just they they show someone doing something at the wrong timing. This is some alternate wrong timing. So one of these "Come On, Man" moments was LSU and Texas A&M are playing one another. It's a late Saturday night game. Okay, and uh, what happens is it, it looks like LSU might win the game. All right, so I'm going to show you a little clip here. Here's the come on man moment. LSU, a player, douses coach Ed Oregon with Gatorade. Now, this is Saturday night late. They throw the ball, okay? The ball's in the air, and it's intercepted, and they, oh, we're going to win the game, coach, and they throw Gatorade on him. But the problem is it's late Saturday night. The quarterback, we find out, actually took a a knee and the ball wasn't really intercepted, so the game's not over. It goes on to Sunday morning is when the game ends. And the Tigers lose seven overtimes for a combined 91 points between the two teams. They played seven overtime games and the Aggies hold on for a 74-72 victory. Guys, this is one of those moments where someone has a come on man moment. They, they misjudge the timing. The timing for them to say, hey, goat, could we have some, could you hook us up with some seats? It's a bad moment to, to ask Jesus that. Let me tell you why. Here's where this scenario pops up. Jesus had been in a, a series of times where Jesus is telling them about his death. I mean, Jesus is, Gathering, gathering these guys around. He's like, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to die. Matter of fact, on this trip, they're kind of on a hike. They're hiking. They're walking to the city of Jerusalem. And Jesus has told them he's going to die. He's told them who's going to kill them. He's told them he's going to be mocked upon, spit upon, ridiculed, beaten, and he's going to die this cruel death on a cross. And they're on the way to Jerusalem. And Jesus has told them it's going to happen in Jerusalem. If you look back, if you, I hope you're a Bible writer, that you write and underline and put stuff in the margins of your Bible. In, in Mark 8.31, Jesus the first time tells them this is going to happen. And then Mark 9.9, Jesus says this is going to happen. Mark 9.31, all of these times, Jesus is like, this is going to happen. Matter of fact, this part of the hike comes right after someone comes up to Jesus and they want to follow Jesus with everything. And Jesus kind of tells them, uh, this rich young ruler, that you're going to have to go and sell everything you have. It's going to be difficult if you want to follow Jesus. And he's telling these guys over and over what this is going to be like. And these guys, these guys come up to him and, and they say, man, Jesus, I mean, I know you're talking about all this dying and everything, but uh, uh, could we get some really kind of like souped up thrones to sit on? It's just really, really awkward timing to say, Jesus, could you hook us up with some seats? But verse 38, Jesus replies, and his reply is this, you don't really know what you are asking. And you don't know what you're asking the greatest of all time. 
You don't always know what you're asking. Here's what the text says. Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? Jesus is using this analogy of the things that I'm going to go through. Can you go through the things that I'm going to go through that I'm explaining to you? Like, can you endure the things that I'm explaining to you? And these guys, here's their answer. The very next verse, verse 39, they say, we can, we can do it, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. I mean, some of us, we just don't know what it is that we're asking the goat. These two guys, they come up to Jesus, the greatest of all time, and they say, Jesus, Will you hook us up with some awesome seats when everything is said and done and you're the king of everything and you walked through the hardship? We want really good seats on that day. And Jesus' immediate response is, you don't know what it is that you're asking me. Matter of fact, I love Luke chapter 9, verse 57, just to kind of give you an idea of some of the responses Jesus would give to people who say, Jesus, we want to sit by you. We want to hang with you. We want to roll with you. This guy walks up to Jesus in Luke 9, 57. says, as they were walking, along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go, Jesus. This guy, it's just one of the many people that come up to Jesus. And Jesus gives them this answer. Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to to lay his head. It's it's kind of a weird answer. But what Jesus is really saying is it's not going to be all that you think it's going to be. You don't know what you're asking when you say, hey, I want to come and be a part of your posse and I want, to, I want to do all the things you're doing. I want to be a part of it. I want really good seats. Jesus looks at this guy. He's like, it's, it's not what you think it is. It's, it's, it's different. And I believe that um, God's been answering some prayers. And the fact is, is we don't like some of the answers that he gives in some of, uh, some of our questions. I mean, in this whole thing, when these guys are coming to Jesus, Jesus, we want good seats. And Jesus immediately says, you don't know what you're asking. Some of us are asking Jesus for some opportunities in our life, and he is actually answering them right now, specifically during this season of COVID that we find ourselves in. And we're kind of waking up to the idea of, man, Jesus is right. We have no idea what we're asking God for when we say, God, I want you to be meaningful in my life. God, I want you to do something, do something amazing in my life. God, put me in like the right place. I want to be at the, the front of the action. I want a life of impact. I want a life of meaning. I want to do something with my life. Jesus says, man, I don't know if you, if you fully understand what it is that you're asking of me. And then he starts to do some stuff in our life. Normally it's hardship. Normally it's difficult. And he's like, okay. You're going to go through what I went through then. It's, it's not, I'm not, Jesus is like, I'm not going to say it's not great, but you need to understand that it's, it's different than what you might have envisioned in your mind. And right now in your life, Jesus might be doing some things that are awesome, some things that are incredible, some things that are opportunities, and they are great, but they're not what we thought they were going to be. And Jesus just says, You don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking. The very next verse, he goes on to to say, he's telling these guys in verse 39, okay, you're going to go through what I went through. You're going to drink my cup of life. You're going to be baptized like I was. You're going to go through my experiences. But he says this in verse 40. And here's the answer to their question. 
Their question was, will you hook us up with seats? He says this in verse 40. To sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared already. So there's a kingdom principle here. I, I, I love it when we run across something where it's like, this is a... This is a thread throughout all of God's word. You can find it in the Old Testament. You can find it in the New Testament. It's a kingdom principle. Here's the kingdom principle in verse 40. First is this. The Father dictates your roles in life. I mean, the Father dictates the situation that you're going to find yourself in. And honor comes. Like you being elevated, you having meaning, influence, significance, impact in this world. All of that happens through this costly discipleship. There's like a, a cost to be paid. This is a kingdom principle. The Father dictates your situation. And if he's going to put you in a place where you can have game time impact, it's going to actually come through costly discipleship. And it's going to do this. It's going to accompany suffering. There's going to be this accompanying suffering that, that happens in your life when you're put there. And when we, when we say no... To that honor, when we say no to that opportunity that God's putting in our life that's going to cost us something, when there's suffering there, what we're really saying no to is we're saying no to honor in the kingdom of God. I mean, the opportunities and, and some of the things that are in front of us, they don't feel like and they don't look like honor. That's why Jesus looks at these guys and said, hey, you don't know what you're really asking. My father is the one that's going to put you in places where you'll have an opportunity to pay a price for costly discipleship. And you'll have an opportunity for suffering. And honor is going to be hidden in that Jesus is, is giving such incredible teaching and truth in this moment because these guys were willing to come up and say, hey, can we have some really sweet seats? Can you hook us up? And he, he's like, man, can I tell you what a real kingdom opportunity for honor looks like? The principle here is that God puts us in those places and suffering normally accompanies that. Verse 40, though, is a place where a lot of us the second part of verse 40 is a lot of us find ourselves. See, the question happens, Jesus' answer happens, and then we take a step back in the second part of verse 40 and listen, listen and look at what's happening with the people surrounding this request. It says this, When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. When the other 10, there's 12 apostles who are following Jesus. When the other 10 hear that two went and said, we want a position of greatness. We want a position of prominence. We want a position of glory and honor. Would you hook us up with seats? When the other 10 hear that this was asked, they get indignant. They're, here, they're mad. Part of me thinks that they're mad because they didn't think to ask first, right? They're like, oh man, this is a great idea. We should have asked for sweet seats. We should have asked Jesus. He's, he's got the kingdom. We should have asked to be put in a place of prominence. They get upset. And a verse that just comes to my heart as we're looking at this is when Paul, years later, is writing to the church of Philippi. Philippi. Uh, Paul writes this letter. It's called Philippians because it's written to people who live in Philippi. And this letter to the Philippians in 
chapter two, he kind of talks about this idea of what's going on here. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Here's what's happening for a lot of us in situations like this. We're, we're trying to be the goat and it's killing people around us. I mean, it is, it is just wreaking devastation. There is havoc coming from our life behind our boat, the wake of USSU, right? You're the wake of your boat. There, there are people and lives and relationships that are just dismembered and hurt and tragedy because what you're doing is you're killing people around you because you're trying to be the greatest of all time. I know when I do this in, in, in my family, when, when, when I'm not thinking of others' interests and, and truly serving people around me and I'm trying to be the goat, that it hurts everyone. It hurts everyone around me. And Man, the, these other 10, these were 12, 12 guys that had walked in kind of a really tight circle. They had done some life together. They'd have meals together. They're traveling. They are having the adventure of a lifetime. And really what happens is something comes into the, the circle of the 12 with Jesus, these 13 these 13 guys that it's kind of poison. It says that they became indignant. Like they're mad. They're, they're angry. There was sin. There was separation. There was a break in the relationship because of what they did. And what they did is what a lot of us are doing. We're trying to be the goat. And anytime that we do that, we start hurting people that are around us. What we need is we need to huddle up with the goat. I just, I mean, it's a few short verses here, right, in this thing. And it's, it's a really simple little exchange, but so much is happening. It's layered. It's, it's, it's complex, really, right? It's just two guys walking up saying, Jesus, will you, will you give us some good seats? And, and Jesus is like, you don't know what you're asking. And the other guys are kind of upset that they, they were thinking of themselves, right? And so... Jesus, he, he kind of is going to pull the guys together. This actually reminds me, like what's happening here is you need like a dose of reality. November 25th, 2001 was a press conference. And I remember uh, this press conference because it was hilarious. The coach of the Indianapolis Colts at this time is a guy named Jim Mora. Now Jim Mora and his Colts had just committed five turnovers in a game. And they had a loss to San Francisco. And their record on the season is four and six. This is Jim Moore at the press conference right now. And he's just talking with reporters. And one reporter in this moment says, hey, are we going to go to the playoffs? And here's his response. You see his head. Playoffs. Playoffs. Are you kidding me? Playoffs. I just hope we win one game. Right? It's like this moment in sports broadcast history that's going to forever uh, be, be like immortalized because someone, someone asked just a crazy question like, hey coach, do you think our team has a chance to make it to the playoffs? And this coach is like, what? 
It's like he's, he's like got to circle everybody up and say, you've got no clue like what's happening in reality. Jesus, and Jesus is gentle, right? I mean, uh, Coach Mora was a little bit upset in that moment, right? Jesus is so gentle in this moment. And he circles the guys up and he's like, you got to know what game you're playing. Here's what he says at the, the end of this encounter in verse 42. This is incredible. Here's what he says. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. This is this incredible moment of reality. I mean, the same way that Coach Moore is like, playoffs, I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about the wrong thing here. Jesus is like, guys, come here. Really gently, he pulls them in. And he's like, here's what it's about. There's a kingdom principle here. Here's the principle. We got to serve. I mean, Joseph served, Moses served, Joshua served, King David served, Timothy served. Jesus says in this moment, he's like, the son of man, the son of God, me, Jesus says, the, the goat, the greatest of all time, I have come to serve. If you want to have significance and impact and influence and honor in the kingdom of God, Jesus says, here's what you have to do. You've got to be a slave to all. I mean, this just flies directly in the face of everything that's happening in our culture right now. And our culture is it's so much about, like, you got to stand up for your rights. you got to demand what your rights are. And you got to make sure no one takes anything away from you. And you've got to always make sure that you're getting what is yours. And Jesus says, no. Actually, you don't. Actually, you've got to let, you've got to let people walk on you if, 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 that's what it, if that's what the case needs. You, you've got to be willing to give everything. What am I supposed to do? Act like a slave? Jesus' answer is, yeah. Yeah, if you want honor in the kingdom of God, you're going to have to serve people. See, there's a, there's a price to pay, a great price to pay when we're not focused. I mean, there's a, there's a price that other, people's, that other people pay when they're around us, and some of them don't even know it, when we're not focused on what Jesus tells. And Jesus in this moment, he says, huddle up, huddle up. Here's what we're going to do. You guys want some sweet seats? You don't know what you're asking. I'm going to tell you the road to sweet seats. Here's what you got to do. You've got to serve. You got to stay focused on that game. Good friend of mine uh, had to go to Nashville this week. Found himself in Nashville and he got a brand new pair of uh, uh, clubs and he flew with his clubs and he was going to be there for about a day and a half and had some time to go out and play a beautiful course in Nashville. And so takes his clubs and he just goes and hits the links and he just gets partnered up with someone, right? Beautiful day just this past week, dear friend of mine, and he's, he's playing golf and has no idea uh, who he's going to get partnered with, but gets partnered with the guy and just starts to have a conversation. 
You know, they're, they're, they're playing and picking up balls and walking and hitting them and enjoying the weather and just getting to know, getting to know another guy on the, on, on the golf course. And through the course of the conversation, uh, you know, you start to find out, you know, kind of what's going on in, in the life. And he, he asked a question of this, this man, my, my buddy. He says, hey, so, so are you married? It's just, you know, common question. You're trying to find out about someone. And, you know, the guy's getting ready to hit the ball. And you just see this man's shoulders. You just see his shoulders just kind of come down. And you just kind of see some defeat set in. And the guy, he looks at my friend and he says, nah, man, I, technically I'm married, but I'm separated right now. And my friend, just trying to be as focused as he can with his life, just starts to dig in a little bit. Just asks some more questions. The, the guy he's playing with just gets a little bit vulnerable. You can just tell the whole game had kind of changed. I mean, they just were kind of ushered into really a, a vulnerable place, a place of honesty. And this guy looks at my, as my friend and he says, I don't know what's happening to me this week. He's like, he's like, I flew here to, to Nashville as well. And he said, I, I get on the plane and there's nobody on the airplane and every single seat is open on the airplane. And this lady walks in and sits down right next to me on the airplane and buckles up and turns and looks at me before the before the doors even shut on the plane. And this lady looks at this guy and she says, you are troubled. What's going on with your life? We've got an entire airplane ride to talk about it. That's some of you, some of you, that would be like your greatest fear, right? You want like nobody to sit next to you. And then for them to start a conversation like that before you even begin a flight. This guy looks at my friend and he says, I don't know what's happening on this trip. My buddy says, I know what's happening on this trip. God is pursuing you. My friend looks at his golf partner and he says, I got a question for you. Is your wife being crazy right now? Is she just out of her mind? Or are you full of pride? Just... Just imagine like when God comes into a moment, it doesn't matter where you are. Like church can happen anywhere at any point in time when we're focused on what we need to be focused on. And this gentleman, when, when my friend says that, I mean, the spirit of God is just guiding my buddy. And, and this, this man completely breaks. And tears start to flow. And he looks, he looks across the putting green and he says, it's me. He says, my pride is ruining my life. I'm trying to be the greatest of all time and it's destroying people around me. And I'm trying to be the greatest of all time and instead of embracing the suffering that's there and instead of understanding that Jesus is saying, I've got to serve, I've got to serve and that's the way to true honor. That's the way to true happiness. That's the way to true peace and contentment and the best life I can imagine. That's the road. Instead of that, I'm trying to be the greatest and it's killing me and it's killing my life. I just... I don't know what's happening to you right now. 
But if, if you're like me during the season of COVID, maybe, just maybe, we're like these two guys. And we know who Jesus is, or we've, we've been around church enough that like, we, we get some of the language, we, we get that he's the son of God and we believe that, but we're kind of guilty of going to Jesus, the greatest of all time, and saying, hey Jesus, would you hook me up with some sweet seats? And in the midst of trying to, to get some good seats or to get our best life now, we're ignoring people around us that just need us to be focused on serving them. Maybe we've been looking at some of the difficulties and the hardships not as a blessing and as an opportunity to serve, but as something that we need to get through to get to the other side. And the other side isn't as great as what's happening right now because what's happening in front of us is this opportunity for kingdom impact. We're saying, Jesus, would you bless us? Would you give us something good? And we don't understand that in his kingdom, and the good things very well might be co- costly discipleship and sacrifice and hardship. It might be difficult people in your life right now. And Jesus is like, I'm giving you something awesome. And you're like, they're not awesome. They're a pain. I'm asking you to take them away from me. And he's like, no, I brought them to you. Serve them. I love that Jesus is kind of calling us into the huddle right now. And he's like, man, the game you're playing it's too small of a game, right? You, you got to play a bigger game. You, you know, you, you got to win the game. And here's the game. You got to serve. I mean, do you really know what you're asking Jesus for when you're like, Jesus, make my life awesome. He's like, do you know what you're asking? Do you know what my life was like? Jesus said, I came to serve. If you want your life to be awesome, you got to be ready to serve. If you really want to be like great, we're not going to be greater than our master. And our master showed us the way to serve. I, I think that right now, man, what our hearts need, and this is, how, this is why we end services like this. We end by just crying out to him. I think our hearts just need some time just to set in this moment and say, man, Jesus, where am I missing it? So I, I just want to ask you, like, don't, don't log off for a moment. Can you just set in this moment? Uh, Rebecca's going to sing us through this song and instead of turning it down and going on with your day, can you just sit and be still in this moment right now? Just maybe put your palms out and say, and Jesus, what do you need to tell me in the huddle right now? What opportunity am I missing right now? How am I not serving right now? How am I being awkward with my timing and asking you for something and expecting something and you've got something bigger for me and I'm just missing it? Jesus, would you speak to our hearts in this moment? Huddle us up and speak to our hearts.